Welcome back to Soul Back. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here, and I have Ed with me. Ed, what is going on? This week is the week. This is the week, and I am fired up because, well, we'll get into that later, but your boy's on one. I'm on 10 today, dog. (laughs) Well, here's something to get you excited. I was walking around the grocery store yesterday, and I came across Sour Patch Kid ice cream. What do you know about these Sour Patch Kids? Now, listen, anybody who knows your boy knows that I'm a Sour Patch connoisseur. Those are my candies. I keep a stash on deck. Keep it on deck. And I've actually enjoyed... I know there's a Sour Patch cereal. I have not tried that because I'm not that much of a weirdo. I have tried the Sour Patch Slurpees, and those are pretty good. The ice cream, uh, it could go either way. So I haven't tried it, but and it seems weird, but it could work. I might have to try it after this podcast, but uh, you know who else might be eating these uh, these Sour Patch Kids? Tiana Taylor. Oh no, what did she do? Well, she did an interview recently with, I forget what magazine, but she pretty much broke down her diet and her workout regimen, and as you know, Ed, she's like super in shape. She has like eight packs, bulging abs and all, Ed. Insanely fit, Yes. Um, yeah, so one of the keys to her success with her fitness edge, she doesn't eat vegetables. You know, this is becoming a thing. And I didn't know this was a thing because when I, you know, a brother like me, you know, I just dammered on about eating Sour Patch Kids. And last week we were talking about fried chicken for like 20 minutes, showing my blackness. But. The thing is, when it comes to vegetables and stuff, I try to kind of stay on my health game. But there's this new kick player where it's like, you don't eat vegetables. And I can't remember the diet. Is it is it keto diet? It's some diet where you don't eat vegetables and then you lose all this weight and you get shredded. Now, you might look great, but I'm sure your artery is all scribbled up on the inside. So good luck with that. Right. And then the other thing is, uh, Tiana, do- Tiana doesn't go to the gym. She just dances. So that's the key, Ed. Dance like Chris Brown and don't eat your vegetables. Well, <laughs> dancing like Chris Brown and not eating your vegetables might be better than putting out albums like Chris Brown. Because that's a whole other kettle of funky fish. So we're going to have to go into that now. Now that you bring it up, Chris Brown dropped his new album, Indigo. It was a 30... 30- 32 song album and ed normally what we would do with these albums is i would just say ed what were your thoughts on the album but because this is such a special album and we got to celebrate the fact that you sat down and listened to this what we're gonna do is i'm gonna ask you to give me your play-by-play of the album as it was going on so anything you remember as you were listening to it and i'm sure that people can read it on your show in stereo review as well but before you get into it can i give my Mm -hmm. little play-by-play please do i'm gonna pull up the track list so i can remember because most people don't understand the emotional toil and turmoil i went through to get through this album so a lot of it has been purged from my memory i'm gonna pull up the track list so i can make sure we go play by play step by step what went down and what went wrong with indy no or indy get out of here not indy go (laughs) Alright, so, and this is just based on my recollection here. I remember I hit play, Ed, Mm -hmm. and 
there was this just this, this greatness of sounds and vocals coming out of those speakers, Ed. What? Chris Brown's vocals were crisp as chips, clear as water, and them beats, Ed, they were banging. And Ed, if you want banging beats, you got it. If you want an R&B collaboration with her, you got it. And Ed, I know you've been craving for a little John feature. You got that as well. And the Drake song, which I know you're not fond of, but the energy on that song, Ed, man, that was a great one. And what else? What else do I have that I can bring up? Oh, and the most important thing, Ed, he took the clips grinding beat and added saxophones to it. You've been begging for real instrumentations for years, and you got that with a Neptune's twist to it. You know I love my Neptunes. So, Ed, I'm going to put it out there. Heartbreak on a Full Moon was a great album. This might be even better. The songs are great. It flows flawlessly, and I'm a happy fan in general. Five-star classic, (laughs) nothing less, Ed. What are your thoughts? What a... What a lie you're living. First of all, when you said you put in an album that was a Chris Brown album and you heard great vocals and crisp instrumentation and something something else about some Cocoa Puffs and other crispy things. I was like, did you put on exclusive? Did you put on the first Chris Brown album? Because you ain't put on what I heard, player. I don't know what on earth you heard, but I'll tell you what I heard. Because it's got the Twitters and the Facebooks and the IGs all up in my draws because they are so heated. But let's go back and talk about what you saw. And let's use ears that aren't laden with stand juice and understand what the rest of the world saw. First of all, the first half of the album starts out okay. When the title track is the usual, man, auto tune I'm talking about sex, blah, 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 blah. But... The first few tracks are okay. You got Come Together with Her, Back to Love. We Most folks listening to this know the single anyway. So those are pretty okay songs. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, the Lil John song, which has a familiar sample. And familiar samples are really what drive this album. Half of the songs will not have, because good lord, that'd be like 15. But I'd say a good quarter of the songs kind of lean on this sample-driven production. Good and bad, and I'll get to that later. But when we hit around track five or six is when things start going all bad. Wobble Up is the worst song of the year. I like, I noticed how you didn't even mention that because it's hot garbage. <laughs> we got the feature with Drake that we've talked about before where they sound like they recorded in two different solar systems because neither one of them are on the same page. It's a wreck. Honestly, the song that kind of surprised me the most, and we talked about this, you hit me up with this like well before it even dropped, um, the album dropped, was the joint with Justin Bieber. Now, I know Justin Bieber fans know that he kind of gets lumped into the silly pop lane. Dude is talented when he isn't being stupid, kind of reminiscent of Cousin Chris. But that song actually was pretty okay, and that was followed up with the song that you mentioned earlier, With the grinding drums, sorry enough. And here's what I mentioned in my review. The difference between a song like Undecided and Sorry Enough. Undecided is popular because it totally jacks I Love Your Smile. Down to the hook. It just changes a couple words. Same melody, same hook, same vibe, same everything. Sorry Enough borrows the beat 
but it's incorporated in a totally different way. So when you hear those, that all right, you know that's clips. You know that's grinding. But he's singing about something different. The presentation is suddenly different. He's got a saxophone over it. It's a well-done production because not only does it sound familiar, there are new elements to it. He's not just saying, oh, I'm... I'm grinding, I'm minding, I'm minding. Like, that's just lazy. And most of the sample production here kind of leans on that. So I did like Sorry Enough. Unfortunately, Sorry Enough is a perfect name because after that track, we got like 20 more to go. And that's when the album gets so lazy. There's just so much stuff here with absolutely no substance. It's all just okay at best and hot garbage at worst. And when we got to track an album that has more than 30 songs and you could actually cut it off at 15, boy, that's not a good look, dog. That's terrible. So I think that what we're looking at is too much of a bad thing. And if you ask me, it's about time we stop celebrating artists for putting a bunch of junk out. Player, my mentions have been ablaze. It's been a landfill because there are so many stands that's Oh, I wish I could share some of the tweets. I've been called broke, a clown, a this, a that, all because your king of R&B, <laughs> I gave him a review that wasn't feasible for the masses. Look, player, it's funny. First of all, it's funny to me that people who still living at home with moms are calling somebody with a 20-year career broke. Yeah, go holler at your, um, figure out what you got your allowance for before you talk about my bank account. Thanks, dog. But it's about time that instead of standing, we start holding these artists accountable. This isn't the first time that he's dropped some garbage. In fact, it's been a long time, a long time, and even you must admit, Mr. Kyle, it's been a long time since your boy gave us an album that exceeded the three and a half star range. Like, it's been ridiculous. And as much grief is I gave Heartbreak on a Full Moon. I actually enjoyed probably 10 or so songs were great. I still listen to Sensei. I love that song. Here, there is absolutely nothing. The best song here doesn't even reach kind of the middling songs on Heartbreak on a Full Moon. And that is, I know this, we all know, we've talked before, we know the strategy here. Cousin Chris is going to flood the market with a bunch of new songs. He's going to get his stands including you, to stream it, stream it, stream it, so he can get rack up the streaming numbers. So yeah, his stuff gets artificially inflated. But if we are, I'm not here to judge by how much I like the artist or how much I should fawn over them because they have more money than me or how much I like one song out of 30. I'm here to talk about, is it a good album? That's what I do. I look at it in totality from beginning to end. And in totality, this is a total disaster. And time y'all fess up. Your boy messed up. But I will give a shout out. I want to give a quick shout out to Brittany who commented on the post. And after getting raked over the coals by the Breezy fans, I want to listen to, I want you to listen to what she said. She said she has been a fan of Cousin Chris since she's 10. And she's now 22. And even though she loved Heartbreak on the Full Moon, Playing Indigo was definitely a drag, and I find myself tuning him out. He leads to learn quality over quantity and start personalizing his songs and a lot less sex. And that was all caps. 
Great review though. I had to leave a comment just to tell you how much I agree and I'm a die-hard Team Breezy fan. This is the best part. But the best fans know the good and the bad. LOL. It's okay to be a fan of dude and say, you know what? This album ain't hitting. He will not come to your house and revoke your fandom. So y'all can ride with this one if you want. But trust and believe this is at the bottom of my album of the list pile. Hot garbage. Uh, well, actually, Ed, I think Chris might show up at your house and revoke your membership. That sounds like the type of guy he is. Uh, actually, but, it does. Yes. Um, Ed, I need to bring it back to one point that you made. And I do apologize if Team Breezy called you broke or a clown. But I'll tell you one thing you are, Ed. You are old school and you are set in your ways. Because let me tell you, Ed, it's 2019. And we're not looking at albums anymore, Ed. We're looking at playlists. And I forgot to mention one of the better songs on the album. It's the disco-sounding song. Talking about how he's the side dude of the year, Ed. From those songs that I mentioned, which is probably about seven or eight, that right there, if I put it into a playlist, might not be the album of the year, but can we give it the playlist of the year? Thank you. Uh, no. Because a playlist player... I don't know about you, but when I construct my playlist... I take songs from separate artists or maybe the same artists from different parts of their career, put it together in a master list of the greatest, the best of the best. This is the best. A playlist, honestly, should be even stronger than an album because you're cherry picking the best of it. If you got a bunch of bottom feeding garbage with two or three out of it, that's a garbage playlist. And if you have to pick the two or three songs you like to create your own playlist... That means the original playlist sucked. That means Indigo sucked. That's how this works. <laughs> all right, all right. And we have to give a shout out to the record on there that sampled Aaliyah's back and forth, which she made into, of course, a sexual song. But Ed, there's a line in that song. There's a lyric that I think, uh, I don't think it'll be winning any Grammys. It said something along the lines of, uh, you're so wet, you're like my little mermaid. Ed, your thoughts no. on that line? My thoughts are, first of all, I was furious, and I forgot all about mentioning that song, but how are you going to take a song that's an absolute classic beloved song and turn it into a yet another forgettable thirst trap song that's just vulgar and ridiculous? Last week, we, I think it was last week, we talked about um, intro and come inside and how, as a kid, I didn't know what they were talking about, but as an adult, I know what they're talking about now. And what we've lost in R&B is that subtlety in writing. And it's not even, oh, you're old and you don't want to talk about sex. And we talk about it. No, Jodeci and them talk about sex all day long. But they did it in a way that was artistic and creative. And the reason why we've lost that, and this came to me as I was listening to Cousin Chris's album and why the writing is so horrendous, this is yet another downfall of hip-hop's influence on R&B which happened really hard in the near the end of the decade, 2008-2009, with your boy T-Pain driving a stake through the heart of hip-hop, of R&B. But that's another argument for another day. Anyway, because now we have R&B artists writing like they're rappers, that's why these songs sound like they sound. Hip-hop, as much as I love it, a lot of times is very blatant in their... In their imagery. And that works for that medium. 
But now we've got R&B artists that's basically writing hip-hop songs over hip-hop beats and not even really singing. They're just talking their lyrics. That's why the songs are so like crass and vulgar and sometimes it doesn't even like fit the flow of the melody because we're shoehorning the construction of a whole other genre into this genre. And that's something that really hurts this album. Well, let me ask you, Ed. Someone on our Twitter page, I'm not going to say who it was. It may have been me. It may have been Tom, but it was probably me. I said something along the lines of, I think at this point, Chris's sound is starting to get stale. Where are the OG songwriters to help him out? Do you think that's what would help you know, bring his career back to, I guess, a certain level? Because it does sound like, especially when you listen to Heartbreak on a Full Moon in this one, everything just sounds like one long song. I think, at least for me, I think he needs to start working with different songwriters. And I think he's capable of, you know, a mature album, but I don't think it's going to come from him, you know, himself. I think he needs to draw from other people. I agree with that, but here's the issue with that. Artists aren't going to change in their mind if it ain't broke, they ain't going to fix it. And I talked about this in my review. Heartbreak on a Full Moon, and as all the looking back on it now, when I say, oh, there were some really good songs there, they were. However, the overall package was doo-doo, so that's why I gave it a poor review. But there were great songs there. The problem, though, is overall, that album was very successful for him. So he's going to do what he did the last time because that's what was successful. What you're saying is what he needs to do as far as developing and growing as an artist. But as long as he's still at the top of the charts and these weird songs are like going triple platinum, you're like, how's this song going triple platinum? I never heard it. And it's through streaming. He's not going to stop. He'll be 45 still doing this stuff. But here's the issue with that. Why creatively he should definitely go that route because I feel like it will give him career sustainability. Because eventually his audience is going to grow up. What's going to happen, and we've seen this happen in hip-hop a whole bunch of times. We'll have they'll have an artist that keeps doing the same old, same old. And then they're going to drop an album and suddenly their audience is gone. Because that audience grew up and was like, oh, that's old. We're seeing that really happen with Nicki Minaj now. Saw it happen with DMX and some other people. Where you kept doing the same thing. But your audience, your audience grew up and was like, okay, we want something different. You've been doing the same thing for five years. And then the artist is confused because they're like, I'm giving you what you want. You gave them what you wanted when they were 16, when they were 22. But once they start hitting late 30s, they're not going to hear this mess anymore. So if you don't evolve with your audience, you're going to get left behind. And he's getting to the point where he's going to get left behind. It's much crap as I got for my review of this album. It's funny as we talked I just saw another comment come in that just says from Anesta another diehard here that agrees sadly with most of what you say. You're too harsh but it had me laughing. Basically she was saying that yeah I was hard on it but I am a fan of Heartbreak on the Full Moon as she goes on to say this but this one is kind of in. That fan base is starting to be like, okay, you're doing the same thing over again with diminishing results. I ain't going to be here for you. He got, he can do this another time, and he's going to see 
yeah, my audience ain't going to be here, and maybe I should have evolved in a way that Kyle suggested. And I would say that he has a lot to offer in terms of his life experience that he can put in his song. I don't think he needs to continue to make records like Wobble Up. Or there was another one on the album. I think it was called like Stacks. Do you remember that one? Oh, God, no, I don't remember it. But I'm sure it's there that somewhere. Was, that was probably the worst song I've ever heard in my life. And I listened to Tank's last album, so. <laughs> it was worse than Wobble Up. I have to look it at was, the track list. I don't remember that one. It was worse than Wobble Up. But anywho, Ed, I thank you for taking the time out to review that Chris Brown album. I think Team Breezy was appreciative. They might not be happy about the results or the rating that you gave them, but hey, you tried. Well, here's the thing, player. Y'all like what you like. And this is a review, and the way I look at my reviews, I also have to laugh just like off topic a little bit that um, when I posted the review, as you know, as Cal can be my witness, I got the album before the midnight release on Friday. So I got it a little bit earlier, which is why I was able to have my review ready by like mid-morning on Friday. And the first thing the stands were saying is, oh, this review is accurate, inaccurate, because you didn't have time to sit with it. You didn't have time to digest the complexities of Wobble Up or the deepness of Stacks. Okay, first of all, you wouldn't have been saying that if I gave it five stars. Secondly, whatever I review, player, I give it time. This album, I, sadly, I listened to three times because it took that long to go through it. So... Never question the credentials of a 20-year journalist, first of all. But, again, listen, like what you like. If you like it, fine. Let's not pretend this is freaking thriller. But, hey, if you like it, roll with it. But I'm not going to pretend it's something that's not. I mean, some people like eating boogers, but I'm not going to say that's fine dining. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, Ed, can we talk about some other music? Because I'm sure you're tired of talking about Sea Breezy. Yes, there was lots of good music that came out this week other than your boy. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple of albums that dropped. Let's go into my boy, Daniel Julius Caesar, fellow hmm, Canadian, who's pissed, who's pissed off the internet in recent times. But he dropped his, or he surprised everyone with a new album, Case Study 1. Ed, I've yes. seen a lot of mixed reviews on this project. I know everyone loved his debut, but from, from what I've read wasn't executed as well as the debut it was kind of sleepy time now i haven't had a chance to listen to the whole thing in entirety i've heard the song with brandy which we'll talk about later um but what did you think of the project overall overall i thought it was okay i agree i don't think it was as strong as freudian at all um it just didn't have that cohesiveness the first half of the album was pretty okay um, we had a kind of surprise track from the Neptunes. We had the Brandy joint. It really, the first half, I thought was really solid. But it's the second half where it just kind of started to meander a little bit and kind of got lost in itself. So overall, and I, I know that opinions are very mixed on Daniel Caesar right now. So I'm not talking about whether we should cancel him. I'm just talking about the art of the album itself. That's what I'm here for. And the album itself was not bad. It's not something that is going to land on my best albums of the mid-year list that I'm going to be dropping in a few days. But if you're a fan, it's definitely worth checking out. And it's not a bad release. Just not great. 
Now, let's talk about the record with Brandy, um, Love Again, which I think is being promoted as a single for both of them, which is kind of interesting. What did you think of the song? Because Daniel Caesar's coming off a very strong duet with her best part. Does it match the caliber of that? And does if this is the direction Brandy's going in, are you happy with that? Well, I know I'm talking to the number one Brandy stand, so I'm sure you have yes. opinions. I didn't like it as much as um, Best Part. In fact, I don't even think I liked it as much as what was the song he had with um, Callie on his first album. I'm blanking on it. But I don't think I liked it as much as that. However, it is probably the best song on the album, one of the better songs on the album. And I thought it was an interesting duet. I wish Tom was here because Tom has a ridiculous theory about whether <laughs> Brandy should yes. even be doing songs with Daniel Caesar, but I'll save that venom for him later because that's ridiculous. But um, I thought it was okay outing. It was interesting to hear Brandy over that type of production, and it does kind of wonder what direction her project, whenever we hear it, which direction if it'll go into more of the more classic Brandy sound or kind of the Daniel Caesar more instrumental and lo fi sound. We'll see. But I thought she did a great job. She Her voice is very versatile, so it was able to adapt well. Yeah, for me, I think a song like this on the album is cool. I don't really want to hear it on every single track. But it was just nice to hear from Brandy again. I mean, she's been gone for a minute. The last time I really heard from her on a major label R&B album, I think it was on Janae's album a couple years back. I think she may have been on like a Ty Dollar uh, album as well, but I'm not really listening to Ty Dollar Sign, unfortunately. Um, good for you. But yeah, I think I think the song was cool. I don't think it's as good as Best Part, but hey, it's a cool record. And let's bring in Tom's comments to this record because he made. Oh God, Ed, I love Tom. You love Tom, and I wish he was here to talk to us about this. But he made the most ridiculous statement ever with this song he posed the question to us why is brandy working with daniel caesar that reeks desperation why is she collaborating with new artists why can't she just collaborate with the 90s artists ed (sighs) see i wish tom was here so i could give him this spanking in person because that is the most ridiculous thing under that mentality I mean, I think you even mentioned this. Like, what is Mary J. Blige? She only can work with freaking AZ now. Can Brandy only do songs with Ray J? Oh, it's only she can only do a sample with Mace. Nobody else. Like, come on now. I understand his point, and his point is that he gets frustrated as we all do with artists who ride trends. And I agree, but there has to be a line. For instance. I do not want to hear a Brandy song where she's auto-tuning and half-rapping with Lil Baby. I do not want to see that or hear that or ever witness that in my life. Because that takes her out of her comfort zone and betrays her sound. That's the issue. Not who she collaborates with. If she does Ed, a song what, and it's... Ed, you know what, what though? That, there's, that, that's probably very likely to happen. But continue. <laughs> oh, I know. So get ready when I yell about that album. And you get annoyed with me. But, okay, that is a problem. However, if she wanted to drop a single with Daniel Caesar, 
That's fine. And the hypocrisy of Tom's silliness is that if Daniel Caesar wanted to collaborate with Brandon, he'd be like, oh, yeah, the youngest should be coming to our veterans, you know, for, you know, for help and for experience. They can show them the way. So it's okay for Daniel Caesar to work with Brandon, but not Brandy to work with Daniel Caesar. Please tell me the logic. Yeah, I mean, I think Tom, first of all, Tom just hates young people in general. I don't think he's ever made a compliment about LMA or her, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, I think He's given start... like one to her if that's, that'll do, but that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> but I we'll think get to her in a to... second. We will, but I think there has to be a distinction between artists. You can't just lump everyone into the new generation and call it and, and say that they're all the same. Like Daniel Caesar and Little Baby and Gunna, they make different types of music. And um, to yeah. Caesar's credit, he has two hits on Urban AC, um, the one with her and then Get You, which is the one with Callie. So he's an established yes, R&B one. act, a new one at, at that, but his last album was pretty much R&B as well. So I don't think we can just marginalize these artists and just label them as all the same. If it's a dope R&B artist that has something to bring to the table, whether they're old or new, they should have people that want to collaborate with them. I think that's a, that's what it's always been. Like, I don't think Tom was mad when Brandy collaborated with Kanye West back in 2004. Exactly. But he wasn't mad then because that was a sound he was adjusted to and was a fan of. But now she's doing sounds with artists that he doesn't really get or understand, so it's a problem. And it really goes against... on A lot of times on the internet, I argue with younger fans who are like... As we were talking today about Cousin Chris, who were like, Oh, you're out of touch and you don't like anything the younger people do because you're old and you suck. Well, I am old, but... And I'm grouchy, as you know. But the thing is, it's not that we're anti-young artists. We want to support artists who are talented. We just don't buy into this 2019 mentality of if you're funny on Twitter, you're talented. That No. No. I'm not giving you a pass because you make me laugh on Instagram. So what we have to do is to kind of fight that and support good artistry. And that's what this whole podcast is about. Keeping R&B alive isn't just hanging on to people from 1992. It's supporting artists of today who are doing the thing from her to lucky day and everybody else daniel caesar's on that list too i mean when jacques was running around his king of r&b nonsense i was the first one to say um daniel caesar got way more hits than you brother and he's younger than you too so sit down there are plenty of young artists out here that are talented doing their thing and for them to want to work with veterans that's what we should want them to do because we want them to learn from the past because that keeps that sound alive and it pushes them forward. When we don't have respect for the veterans, you got Jacquees running around looking like an idiot. We don't need more of him. Well, I mean, to, to Jacquees' credit, he did collaborate with a bunch of R&B veterans on his last album. So I think he was just having his moment. So we'll let him be Ed. Well, no, you disrespect King Keith, and you got issues with me. So we're going to see how this new album shape up. All right. Round two in stores in July. But, Ed, <laughs> let's talk about Raheem Devon. And I know we're talking about a lot of music, and it's we're almost we're, we're clocking in at 30 minutes right now. But a lot of music still to go through here. But Raheem Devon, second album in one year. Did you get a chance to listen to it yet? 
I certainly did. Like I said, I was working on my list before we um, hopped on this call of the best albums of 28, oh, 2018, 2019 so far. And man... I love this album, and it really... Raheem is an artist who always comes with it. He's always solid. You always get a solid album from him. But I really enjoyed this album, and it's going to be pretty high on my list. I thought it was one of the better R&B releases of the year so far. Shouts to Tim Kelly. I've seen a lot of positive comments about this album as well. I haven't had a chance to dig into it yet, but I'm going to do that right after this podcast. Now... Ed, a couple of new songs for you to check out if you haven't already. And this song right here is probably Tom's first compliment to her. It's her new single <laughs> with YBN Corday, the song Racks. I think we can all consens- uh, we can all say that we like this song. Yeah, I like it. Again, it's a little different. It's a different it's different but similar. Like her kind of goes slightly trendy with the... I know you hear the title and you're like, oh God, here she's going, she's trapping. She's not trapping. And she does kind of alter her delivery a little bit to make it a little more current than her usual sound. But she doesn't stray from it. And it's a great song that I feel like could... Even though it's mellow, I could hear it on the radio. And she also hooked up with Corday, who's one of the hotter artists on the scene right now. So... I think it's a very good look. I liked it. Even Tom liked it. And he and that hates says her. a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah, that says a lot. Plus, I think this will probably lead to her album coming out. Because I know she's released a couple of singles here and there. And they've done well on Urban AC. But this one sounds like it has appeal on Urban Radio. Yeah, I think that it has juice to it. And like I said, hooking up with one of the bigger named artists. Um, rap artist in the game that's got a lot of buzz behind him. And one who actually is pretty decent, by the way. I think gives it a little bit of credibility, too, in the eyes of the mainstream. It's a nice one. Yep. And then, Ed, another song that came out was from Jonte Austin, Grammy Award-winning songwriter who wrote some of your favorites, Ed, Sweet Lady by Tyrese, Be Without You by mm-hmm. Mary J. Blige, uh, yep. Shake It Off by Mariah. A lot of great songs, and uh, his album love sex and religion has been on hold since like 2007 it's finally coming out in august ed man what's the longest you've waited for an album for it to finally come out i guess man that's album right (laughs) that's a great question i don't know if i can think of an answer right now it's probably missy elliott's album whenever that drops because we're well over 10 years for that thing so the jodeci album's up there too and then, of course, we never did get Dr. Dre's detox. So, man, I hate when y'all make me wait. Yep. So I'm glad Jonte will be coming back with a new project soon. And his single is pretty cool, too. So check that out. And then I got to mention, even though you're probably not going to listen to it, DJ Mustard dropped his new album. Uh, he put on his Dr. Dre chronic to put his own album together. Uh, there's one R&B record on there with Ty Dolla and LMA, which sounds cool. So... Ed, you need to check that one out. See, you underestimate a brother. I did check that one out. I told you I've been catching up on everything so I can get wow. my list together. I will say I liked it better than DJ Khaled's album, but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> There's a lot that you like more than DJ Khaled's album. Well, that's very true. I didn't like <laughs> Cousin Chris better than it, though. Ouch. Uh, so, some news for you, Ed. A couple of groups are reuniting. 
uh, Danny D. Kane dropped a new single, Neon Lights, and one that you'll be more excited about, Tony, 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 will be reuniting with Raphael Sadiq in the mix. How excited yes. are you about this Tony, Tony, Tony reunion? You talk about a reunion I didn't think we would ever see. This is one of those things I was like, okay, everybody's moved on. You know, Raphael's doing his thing. You got um, Wiggins doing his thing with basically the remnants of the old group. He's got kind of his new version of Tony, Tony, Tony performing. So, man, I am really shocked by this. So, that is a huge look for R&B, and I would love to get a project out of them sooner than later. Right. Now, Ed, I'm going to flip the flip the script and ask you this question, because Danny D. Kane, as you know, they've broken up and gone back together so many times that I've kind of lost count. And we yes. see that with a lot of R&B acts these days. They just don't get along. Does it leave a sour taste in your mouth when they break up and come back? Like, are you ex- are you as excited? Are you saying, are you a little worried? And you're just like, well, they might break up tomorrow, so let's not get too excited here. Well, I will say that the only group that I'm kind of like when they break up and get back and break up and get back, actually there are two groups that have something in common. Blackstreet and Guy. Those two, I don't know what it is. It seems like every year there's a post that comes out that's like, everybody's back on the same page. We're coming out with an album. And then they're mad at each other again. Other than that, most of the time when I hear about groups reuniting, because they don't have that, I don't know, that reputation of jumping back and forth, that if they don't have that rep, I'm excited. I'm like, cool, let's do this thing. And sometimes we get music, sometimes we don't. But the only time I get a little eh about it is when it's really those two groups. Because it's like, all right, we didn't heard this before a thousand times. <laughs> Just wait until Aaron Hall pisses off somebody or Teddy gets mad. So, well, Chance is irritable about something. So, we'll see. However, I'm all for Tony, Tony, Tony getting it back together. And I have high hopes. Now, if you told me Guy was getting back together, I'd be like, eh, I don't know about it. Well, I did read, actually, now that you mentioned Chauncey on his Instagram, he says that Blackstreet is working on a new album uh, without Teddy or, or Dave. It's going to be Chauncey, Mark Middleton, Levy, and uh, Eric Williams, I think it is. Yeah, Eric. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, that... if it's going to happen, cool, but we'll see. I've heard but this like te- four times. But without Teddy in the mix, is that even going to work? Uh, without Teddy in the mix, it's not going to sound like the debut. I'll put it like that. I'm, I'm always for giving people a chance because sometimes getting away from that original sound kind of helps them. I mean, if you had told me in 99 that Silk was putting out an album without Key Sweat, I'd be like, oh, it's going to sound terrible. No, you got to have King Keith in the mix. And then they put out one of their best albums. So sometimes the distance works, but... We'll have to see. In the case of Blackstreet, I hope it works out. But we done heard this song and dance many times from those guys. <laughs> right. And I can't wait for Soulchild to comment on this post and be like, it's going to be a five-star classic. And I'll be like, you Oh, so my wrong. gosh. <laughs> you already know. Shout out to my boy. So, Ed, can we get into the Play of Please Awards? We can. Although, I feel like this whole episode has been a player please award. I just ran it about more of a 20 minutes at the top. This is facts. But I've got one that might uh, that might excite you here. So, most recently, Shaka Khan, who pretty much has no filter at this point. She'll say whatever she feels. 
Uh, she was on a talk show, and somebody asked her, uh, tell us one thing about Stevie Wonder that we don't know. And Shaka Khan replied with, he can actually see Ed. Have we been, <laughs> oh my have we been fooled God. this whole time? Uh, who was it? I thought it was you. Who was it was trying to convince me a few months ago that Stevie could actually see? There was that actually someone who was trying to tell me. <laughs> That's someone was trying to convince me that he could see and that this has all been a ruse. Shaka gonna say what Shaka gonna say. I thought you were gonna bring up the point that apparently she did not like the Kanye West sample because that is what has been burning up most of my social media timelines where the infamous sample of Through the Wire was there and she was kind of like, I don't like it. And everybody was like, oh, but you liked it to get the check. Like, look, player, it's a job. If you, I'm sure if you put a wheelbarrow cash up to my doorstep, I'd be like, look, give it to me. You can do what you want. Doesn't mean I like it. It means that I like business. So if she don't like it, that's her prerogative. But her talking about Stevie can't see, stop. Or maybe she's <laughs> on to something. Can you imagine if we've been fooled this whole time and he could actually see? <laughs> I don't oh know how I feel gosh. about this right now. I don't know how I feel about it either. I'm just going to go listen to Kia songs in the Kia Life and Hotter Than July and pretend that we aren't having this combo. If you tell me that Stevie can see, my life has been a lie. Yes, it has. All right, next player, please, here. Uh, little Bow Wow, or Bow Wow, recently posted a picture on Instagram of him shirtless. And he was showing all sorts of six-packs and eight-packs and abs. And you could grate cheese with those abs. And then someone posted a real photo of Bow Wow where he does not actually have these six packs. And it's actually not as toned as one might think. Um, and people are claiming that it's Photoshop now. Ed, why do celebrities keep putting themselves in these positions? I don't understand why. Like, and I know why. Well, I know why. They do it because they need content. We live in a content-driven society, player. Where you have to relevance, like we were saying earlier, it's not about the music anymore. It's about staying relevant. And to stay relevant, that means you have to create content for your social media channels that will go viral. And what's the laziest way? Let me show some abs so we can get the thirst traps all riled up, which is dumb. Player, if you ain't got them, you ain't got them. Just keep your shirt on. Go to the beach. It's cool. We don't need to see your bumpy belly, especially if you don't have it. It's not that serious. But, of course, we know this is Bow Wow. And he ain't had a good album ever. So, it's not like he can give us good music to satisfy that. Well, there you have it. And then the last play it plays. Or, actually, before I get into it, I think I read that uh, Cardi B tried uh, trademarking her, her her slogan, O'Kurt. And it was denied by the government. Did you did you read about this? I heard that she had tried trademarking it. But I had, did not heard it had been denied. You know, those Cardi B stands are good for some fake news. So what I saw was that she had trademarked it and she was the smartest woman in all time and we should all bow down to her. But it would not surprise me if she tried to file the trademark and they were like, no, that's ridiculous. Sit down. Yeah, I think it's because that term or that word was used before Cardi. She didn't invent it. So you can't trademark something you didn't invent. Exactly. But that yeah. hasn't stopped people from pretending to be idiots before. So just because Chuck Cardi said it, they have to take it at face value. Y'all got to chill out. Yep. So, Ed, the last play of please here, and it's story time, is uh, I was on Instagram the other day, and uh, this gentleman 
slid in my DMs and asked uh, if I would be willing to contribute contribute some money to purchase a Neo song, an unreleased Neo song. It was actually the demo to the record that he wrote for Mario Vasquez Gallery. I'm sure you remember that song. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He hit me up and was like, you know, this this dude is selling this demo and I really want it. I was wondering if you could help contribute. And I was like, you know what? I really like that song too. And although I don't condone any hacker activities, any leaker activities, I do really want this song. So let me just see what it's all about. So I said, okay, well, how much is the dude asking for? Ed, the dude was asking for $20,000. $20,000? what? So, what? And I think the question is, what else comes with this uh, this song? If we're paying twenty thousand dollars, do we get Neil's hat collection? <laughs> Neil's hat collection? It better be Neo himself tied up somewhere. Like that is a bow. That is that is a ransom for a human being, not a random demo from ten years ago. Who would want? I mean, I know you just said that you wouldn't want that, but who would be willing to pay twenty thousand dollars? This isn't a a lost Michael Jackson album. This isn't Prince's Unicorn. Like, what are you doing? Who would pay that? So, Ed, would you pay twenty thousand dollars to purchase Keith Sweat's unreleased vault from his first album? Player, please. Actually, I have unreleased vaults from his first album. I just go to the internet. Well, what if there was a song that you had never heard and it's never been released? And this leaker named Sweat Keith was like, hey, I got this record here from 1990. When did Keith come out, Ed? 87. 87. And he said, I got this record for you. $20,000. Are you even going to consider it? Do you really think? This is what I would tell him. I would be like, look, dude, I've got this Subway gift card. From like a year and a half ago that I still haven't used. So how about I give you that? And you can give me that. So you can get a free sandwich and I can give me some free music. That's about as good as I'm going to get on this trade. Yep. And shout out to Subway for their cookies as well. Those are pretty good. Oh, I need to go get a cookie today then. I forgot they had cookies. I literally have this gift card. That's not a joke. <laughs> well, you got to spend it, Ed, or someone's going to take it. Well, I'm saving it for this Keith demo that apparently is going to appear in my inbox. Right. Well, the good news is I'll never have to worry about um, Chris Brown selling unreleased songs for $20,000 because he just puts it all on his albums anyway, so it's all good. (laughs) That that is the truth. If he's got demos worse than this, can you imagine? It's just him burping on the beat. That's just bad. You can't get any lower than what we've got now. Fair enough. So, Ed, I think that's it for this week. Uh, so, for the remaining p- portion of the podcast, it will be a segment that Tom recorded with, with Raheem Devon earlier in the week. We were going to actually push that to a couple of weeks later, but because his album just came out and we support the guy, we had to move it on up to this week. So, it might be a kind of weird not hearing me and Ed on it, but I'm sure Tom did a great job. But before we get into that, Ed, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Man, I feel like we've been talking about Soul and Stereo all day, but there's a lot of stuff popping. Of course, um, if you would like to go check out my review of Chris Brown's Indigo, please go do that because 
that has everybody in their mama ready to give me death threats. So either you can give me death threats or you can give me love. Either way, at E.T. Bowser on Twitter, it's all good. Also, speaking of albums that are actually good, I also posted my review of, for my hip-hop heads, Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib's Bandana. To me, unquestionably the best hip-hop release of 2019 and probably the album of the year. If you're a fan of hip-hop, you got to check that one out. If you missed the BET Awards, oh my goodness. I have my annual BET Awards recap, the 20 questions. Those are up. Go check that out. That's always a good time. Every year, I'm like, I'm not going to do this anymore. It takes too long to do this piece. It drains me. I feel like I'm going to die. It's like reviewing a Chris Brown album. But I do it, and it always gets so much love. And everybody's like, oh, this is my favorite thing you do on the site. I always look forward to it. So y'all always rope me into doing them. So go check that out. And maybe by the time this posts, I will have my top 25 albums of 2019 so far post up. Hopefully. If not, it'll be up later in the week. Nice. So, Ed, I think that's it for this week. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up my playlist. Actually, I'm going to start a new playlist. It'll have Yeah, it'll have Goodies, it'll have OK, it'll have Girl Fight, and now I can also put Temporary Lover on there. How about that? Oh, my God. If you want to hear Lil John screaming at you, weird ad-libs for five minutes, there you go. It should just be a playlist of Lil John ad-libs. That's still better than this playlist called Indigo. Calm down. All right, guys, that's it for this week. I'm going to get you guys to, uh, I'm going to need you guys to grab your popcorn and your soda while Ed and I bounce out uh, for this Raheem Devon interview. So check it out. And Ed, I will see you next week. Let's get started. Um, just want to, you know, first off, express the excitement we have for this new album, The Love Reunion. I mean, it's so rare that you see an artist release albums back to back like this, let alone even every couple of years. So, man, it's been like eight, nine months, and we're just so excited that we got more new music from Mahim Devon on the way. What inspired you to do it like this? Um, you know, I think since the last time we talked, I kind of had kind of like alluded to the fact that I would be putting out music a lot yeah. more consistently. You know what I mean? So, it just, you know, and, uh, and keeping my word, you know, to the fans and, you know, having those different spurts where it's like every 12 months or every 24 months or every three years or so. Um, a lot of that wasn't, uh, you know, under my rule of thumb, per se. You know what I'm saying? Now that I own my masters and, and you know, I'm my own person and, and that type of thing, I can I can kind of move how I want to move. And I've always kind of had, like, the spirit of, like, you know, a rapper, per se, in terms of, like, how I market and promote um, my projects and, 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 and just in the work ethic. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like a MC in a singer body. You know what I'm saying? So, um and it's always been a thing where I feel like I, I can make the music faster than I can put it out. Right. Now, so now I don't have that. So now I don't have that problem anymore. You know what I'm saying? Can, I can put out projects whenever I want. You know, I think the great thing about a Raheem Devon album, each release, you hear growth, you hear evolution. You know, you, you re- mm-hmm. reinvent yourself a bit, but still keep that root. You know, that that core Raheem Devon sound. So I'm excited for what we're going to hear on this one. So. Tell us, what, what can you expect on this album? Any, anything a little bit differently you tried? Um, yeah, definitely. On this album, I mean, like, I got what you call, like, Afro beat, Afro soul record. I got a reggae, a reggae tone, like, Caribbean vibe record, you know what I mean? Um, that people seem to, that, that they're really loving it, you know what I mean? Uh, so, it's, um, 
I think, and, and, and then, you know, if it, I just try different arrangements, you know, my voice over different chord structures and different keys and kind of just experimenting with that a bit, you know what I mean? And, and, and make it full songs again, you know what I'm saying? Some songs with bridges or just, you know, um, this new technique I kind of just like where the vocal is like out front, you know, mm. and with the lush harmonies and, you know, um, I really, I, 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 as I, as, as I come, as I go along and get into albums seven, you know, as I create these projects, um, over the next few years, I'll be, I'm more hands on. I notice I'm become more hands on and becoming more of a producer, you know, in a sense as well. Right. I gotta be honest with you, man. I'm not even done listening to Decade of a Love King, man. That's the album is still in rotation over here. Yeah, well, the cool thing is, like <laughs> I said, it's a trilogy series, so you can just right. like pop that in, listen to that, and let just come right behind it. You know what I'm saying? And just kind of enjoy it, you know? Right, absolutely. I think when that album came out, I had mentioned to you the song When It's Real, you know, how much I appreciated that song because, you know, as an R&B fan, R&B lover, don't hear a lot of songs like that. You know, and yeah. for anyone who hasn't heard that song yet, please check it out because it just brought me so much feeling, made me feel loved. You know, like I mentioned, you made yeah. me want to go hug my wife. Like, you know, what is it like making a true love song like that in this day and age? Man, you know, that was one of the few records in my career that I didn't write. And, um, mm. but I, but I, but I, you know, when I'm making an album now, I know how to put my, my A&R ears on and go find great mm -hmm. records for, for myself. You know what I'm saying? That, that, uh, fit the occasion that fit the, the concept of what, you know, I want um, in terms of the track listing and the entire body of work, in its, you know, the body of work in its entirety. So um, right. that was just one of those moments, man. That record had been recorded probably for about three years, four years prior to it actually even coming out, you know what I'm saying? So I think that just kind of speaks to the fact that, like, you know, great music, it doesn't matter when it's, when it, when it was recorded, or more so, like, or when it comes out, if it's timeless. Right, absolutely. Now, one thing I'm excited about on this album, you're working with a friend of ours, Tim Kelly. You linked up with him with, at the new label, and, and he's got some really excited things going on. You know, Tim Kelly from the legendary Tim and Bob, for those who aren't aware. Um, talk about yeah. just what it's been like linking up with him, because I know how much passion he has for R&B and big things he's doing. Yeah, great, man. And not only have I linked up with Tim, but I, I linked up with Bob Robinson, too, on this album. Mm. You know, Bob, Bob produced a cut on here, um, as well as this record called, um, it's called Any, 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 uh, Any Everywhere, track number 10. You know what I mean? So, um, and then, you know, Tim produced the first single, of course, Just Right, and, um, right. as well as Ballerina. So, <clears throat> both of them are, you know, although they don't work together anymore, um, they're both great and great health and just, um, at the, still at their A game production wise, you know what I mean? And, um, so it was great to be able to work with them, you know, two powerhouses from the nineties. You know, I often say that my music is kind of like a futuristic 90 time machine when it comes to when I'm right. on my, you know, when I'm full of like R and B, R and B mode, and I feel like I want to get a world of R and B album. Like, you know, that's, 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 that's the vibe. So, um, definitely I'm thankful for, uh, working with them, man. Tim is a genius. Bob is a genius, you know, even the newcomer producers on here, um, you know, I mean, I, I believe in giving new producers a shot, you know, uh, constantly, um, you know, as far as uh, songwriting, one of, one of the one of the greatest songwriters in the game to me, who's, who's now st who, where, the, where the world is starting to recognize his name, is, is Blanco Brown. I don't know if you 
they're saying what's been going on with Blanco Brown and that and mm-hmm. that and that get up record. But like that's my homie. Like Blanco wrote, you know, not only on this album but the last album. There would be no Don't Come Easy if, if it wasn't for Blanco reaching out to me, you know, on Instagram. He wow. found me and I responded and that's kinda how like that whole relationship came about, you know what I mean? So, um I'm so happy for him, not only as a writer, but as an artist right now. You know, I know we talk about me and whatever but you gotta give people their roses and the pin game's crazy, so I think you know I'm thankful for um for him, you know, investing that time in me. Uh, and, and and you know, after we put out a record like Don't Come Easy, I had to come with the heat, you know what I mean? So yeah. I did pull out the pin I did pull out the pin for just right, you know, testify and I and I wanted to um you know, it's, it's, it's people like people that are great, you surround yourself around great company and they inspire you, you know what I'm saying? They inspire you in, in ways you'll never believe. So um, you know, Blanco co wrote on this album as well. Um, Black Girl Magic is a record named Metronome, and it's a record called King as well. Mm. You know, he, where he, he and his, um, you know, wonderful team contributed um, to the project. That's dope, man. Look forward to checking out his work on this album. Want to give another shout out to a producer I believe has a placement on this album and who is a big supporter of our site and everything as Travis Cherry. Is he on this album too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Travis is on the album as well. Um, co-produced Metronome with another mm. with, a, with, with with some of my other favorite producers, the colleague. Big shout out to my bro KP. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, man, it's all family, bro. Like even like you know, uh, the Heaven and Earth record. It's a brother named Afro Keys, um, who was part of the last album as well. Um, he, he he produced uh, Say the Word on Decade of mm. a Love King. You know, um, Afro Keys got that smoke, man. He got the heat. He, he's <laughs> out of Minneapolis. He's out of Minneapolis. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? He, he drank some of that Prince Roger Nelson uh, water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's dope, man. Definitely looking forward to hearing this album. You know, what I really want to ask you is because, you know, you're one of probably one of the most educated people we talked to about the industry. You have so much insight. You really know everything that's going on. A lot of artists, some of them are a bit jaded towards the industry, but I mean, releasing two albums in less than a year. You know, a lot of artists don't want to do that, and the number one reason is sales. You know, sales numbers are way yeah. down, streaming's way up. So how do you approach that if, you know, if you're not getting supported sales-wise? I mean, I think how, that, how, see, what they're what, what they doing is mm-hmm. they're not selling physical products, though, or they're not making mm-hmm. products that can, that can be bought as physical product. meaning, like, there's a, there's a particular fan base in the audience out here they still buy CDs. Like, people still buy CDs. I just did a yeah. community event and auctioned off one of my CDs for $130. Like, wow. my, my, you know, the new album, you know what I mean? In support of my foundation. So, like, um, you know, when it, when it gets to stuff like that, it's got me thinking of, like, creative things I can do, you know, like the Nipsey Hustle way. Like, it's people that support me and really pay attention to what I'm doing where I can really make this thing something big and rare and iconic and you know so I, i'm just looking to continuously push the gamut in terms of content like you know and tangible items like you know as long as music exists people want to always want a tangible item a thumb drive or a cd or a piece of vinyl or a 45 you know what i mean so you got to think out the box because mm-hmm. um, so you're not going to make the we're not going none of us as artists are going to make the money we deserve off of the stream so every cd i can sell in the street you know and, if, and that's not, I'm not talking about first week sales. I'm talking about 24 months from now, 12 months from now. You know, I predict that I'll be, you know, I'll sell any 50,000, 100,000, maybe a, a buck 50 a 
I've seen mm. it, you know what I mean? At, you know, and I own my master. I get a great, I got a great penny on the dollars in my deal. So <laughs> not only does my, not only does my, what does my plug make money, you know what I'm saying? I make great money and we stay in the black, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's, it's, it's a good situation. Right. That's dope, man. You know, I'll never forget this comment you made to me many. And let me say this too. There's another key component to it, and which is which is live performance. So, right. If you put, I got one. Thank you. If you putting out uh if you putting out an album, you know, I could put out an album every six months, or every eight months, or every nine months, or every two years. Difference mm-hmm. between me and some of these other cats is that the time has not been spent. And I'm talking about with some of the biggest names of that, that of artists that are in my quote unquote quote unquote lane. The proper time has not been spent in terms of building a they post uh 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 resume, you know what I mean? Right. Um up. You know, meaning they ticket their ticket master post star value. You know what I mean? Meaning mm-hmm. like, you know, my last show I did in Detroit, I sold I, I Ample Theater, I sold five thousand seats as a headliner. You know, right. I, I with I with uh the Hamiltons and um you know what I mean, as an opener, you know what I'm saying? So like, um it's 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 it's, it's it, it lets me know like, you know, certain groundwork's been done and we're gonna turn that, you know, so so, so then we sit back and say, Hey, how can we turn that five thousand into seventy five hundred or that seventy five hundred and the ten thousand? And you know, and right. that's why you start to see me on a lot of the major festivals. You know, um, Funk Fest and uh, Capital City Jazz Festival and Spirit Fest and um, you know, it's, it's my goal to, 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 to hopefully one day play Coachella or uh, mm-hmm. you know stuff of that nature. You know, Afro Af uh, what's it the uh, what's the festival they do Afro Punk. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that stuff of that nature. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's coming. I mean, you clearly get it, and um, I I just always think about this comment you made to me probably about five years ago during one of our interviews after the interview, you know, cause I'm someone who I, I support all R and B artists, you know, that make good music. But you told me this comment, like a lot of the artists who were on majors who were big in the nineties and two thousands, were going to have the rug pulled out from under them because of the changing landscape of music. And Hey, here we are now. You were right. A lot of the artists we support are fading away. It's scary, man. What do you see? When you look around the R&B landscape at, at your peers that you came out with, yeah, man. I mean, I just, you know, I wish I could teach a class on it or some. Uh, yeah, cats <laughs> just humble themselves and just holler at me, man. Just yeah. holler at me. I can show them how to do it. You know what I mean? I've been doing it for years. I've been just driving in my own lane and kind of doing it for years. But see, my but see now, my next play is my next move is is that you know. I know that I have the talent to write for, for multiple artists and different people, and I know that I have this sound that's a different and unique sound, and I'm ready to mm-hmm. start, like, giving, a, giving, giving some of the soup out and giving some of the ingredients out, you know what I mean, and writing for different artists is willing to be the clay. And those who's willing right. to be the clay and want to get down, like, hit me up, uh-huh. let's get down, let's, uh-huh. let's, 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 change, let's change the sound sonically, I'm armed right. collectively together, let's stand, let's stand in solidarity for the culture, a soul and mm-hmm. R&B. Um, like Genesis tweeted my music out the other day. And you know me, I, I know you know the history, like, with me and Life. You know what I'm saying? We came out the same yep. time. We had we had issues where we bumped heads and, 
got past it as men. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's a, I, re, I respect him. I respect him on a musical level anyway. I think he's a phenomenal songwriter and a great producer. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, more, but, 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 but I admire him mostly as a father. You know what I'm saying? Me as a father yeah. who still struggles, still struggles, you know, that has, you know, uh, children with multiple women and is juggling my job and my career and all of that. And I'll be seeing how he be moving, and I'll be like, man, I don't even know how, I don't know how he do it. You know what I mean? But um, I say that to say this, man, it's a, it's a, it's a time um, and a place for everything. And and I think I've said it over the years, probably 10 years ago, back when you said whenever that interview was, it's like, you know, black music is the only music, or our culture of music is what we do. This R&B and soul thing, with, with, you know, where it's all this conversation about King of R&B and this, that, third. Our music is the only music where people, where, where it's, where it's kind of like, it's, it's, uh, uh, it, it, it can be, where it's, where it's kind of treated, kind of discarded. It's discarded. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm. you, you, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's disposable. They treat out, they treat, it, it, and, and, and we can change that narrative. You know what I'm saying? If we, if we just kind of mob up. And, you, and then there's certain tools that, Definitely, I feel like we can use that um that 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 would uh be productive for us, you know. Um, you know what I mean? Oh, that makes sense. And um, let me ask you this though. You know, we always talk. We we just talked to Eric Roberson last week, right? You know, someone who has really embraced the independent artist movement, and you've been someone in the same league. You know, even when you were on a major. You operated like a, you hustled like you were an independent artist, which you always admired. Yeah. Man, do you ever look back and think like you know how Eric Roberson he 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 decided never to go the major label route because he thought I could do this yeah. all myself. Do you ever look back and say that could have you know I I should have done I should have not even bothered with the major label route. No, 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 no. I'm one of because nah, I'm one of those guys like <laughs> I knew I wasn't gonna be in that deal long. I knew I was I knew I knew I knew where the culture was going. So mm. it's like wow. I already had one up on him. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, um, so I, I saw where it was going. So I knew that it, it happened at record time flat. Like, I didn't drop the label. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, the label had dropped me, I dropped him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, wow. it basically came to my, you know, I never really disclosed this till now. But when I was on Jive in 2010, you know, approaching, uh, uh, approaching December 31st, um, they kind of backed me into a corner where I was able to give them an ultimatum that I knew they wasn't going to be able to make good on, which got me out wow. of my agreement. You know what I mean? My only downfall was I wasn't prepared for that moment. I had, you know, I had I had records, but my work ethic wasn't, it was always great, but it wasn't how it was, and I didn't have access to the things I have access to now. So, like, right. over the years, I've spent, I, you know, it's been times I've spent my last on, going and going in and creating projects or going in and going in the studio and just working, work, 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 because I'm building catalog. You see what I'm saying? So I'll right. never be out of work because I have catalog. One, you know what I mean? And and so when the phone ring or, or I decide I get bored, or I want to put out music, so next, so, so I, 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 I can put out an album at any given time. I got enough music for 15 years. You right. know what I mean? And I, make it, and I make it in real time. So it's not it's just no way I can't lose. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so, so it's so, um, 
So now I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't regret it. You know what I mean? Like they made, you know, back in back in 2010, I, I made a, you know, I gave them an ultimatum. It was time for them to. I was going into what was known as my fourth album period, mm-hmm. and it would, it would, it would have, they would have been uh, responsible. They would have had to spend millions of dollars on me at that point. Like basically, uh, contractually, going into that fourth album period, they would have owed me a. They would have had to pay me out a very large advance. And they would have had to pay me out. I would have been able to have like a million dollar budget to make an album. You wow. know what I'm saying? <laughs> but because I, because I was one of those artists that was always in the black, they didn't really feel like they needed to spend money on me for me to do what I needed to do. And they did they, in a certain level, they never really fully committed. I was able to say, well, hey, like, I want y'all to honor my contract. And if you can't honor my contract, then you have to let me out of my contract. You see what I'm saying? Right. That's crazy, man. And I knew that time was coming because I started to hear the whispers. You know, when I'll be in those buildings and in the labels or whatever, I'm listening to what what they're talking about. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I'm, I'm listening. You know what I mean? Like, um, so, um, and I'm making allies in the building. So, I, you know, I'm understanding the culture where it's going. So, right. <laughs> excuse me. As a result of that, I was able to um, to get out of the deal. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, my, my biggest issue was, you know, I went, I jacked the beat, and it, and I and I made the she single, she's the single, if the she single beat Jack in the video alone, right. that changed my life, like my career. It made me sexy oh. on the new millennial tip, like, but I should, I didn't have no album, I didn't have nothing, I didn't have no plan, I didn't have no marketing plan, I didn't have no strategy. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, that's where that's where you know. I, I learned a valuable lesson in that. I never put myself in that position again. You know what I mean? Right. Ever. That's crazy. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And you know, we're, we're just about out of time. There's just one one last thing I want to touch on, and um, I think this is really important to talk about. You know, and that's what you really accomplished with your foundation and charity work you do. Because what you've accomplished as an artist has been amazing, has been timeless. But man, what the impact uh, you make with your foundation and, and what you're doing for others is really you know, life-changing. So I really want to thank you and have you talk about some of that. I mean, I saw, I know the charity work you do. I saw that you were recently um, bailing out mothers uh, on Mother's Day. I thought that was an amazing thing, man. Just talk about some of the, the impact you've had in the charity world. Oh, man, it's been great, man. From, you know, bailing out black mothers to, you know, doing the Queen for a Day spot takeovers. We just did our umpteenth one in L.A. Probably about the third or fourth time we've done one of these in L.A., this is getting bigger and bigger. Big shout out to um, celebrity um, hairstylist and uh, um, Kim Kimball, who's a staple in his business. She is black history. She does everybody's hair from you name it. You know what I'm saying? In his business and his, and on a plethora of different film film sets. Um, currently working on uh, what's the movie coming out? The Lion King. I think it's the Lion King movie going to mm. come out. Um, yeah, so she's working on that. You know, she does Beyonce's hair, Oprah, Mary J. Blige. I mean, you name it. In terms of black women in here, like she's it. So right. <laughs> she mentioned she she came on as a partner to join me in the AHS and um and their new housing um their new housing department that they have um and 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 assisting me for the Queen for a Day Spa takeover, doing doing the young ladies' hairs and helping giving them makeovers and whatnot. Um, <laughs> you know, I have a partnership with the AHS. I just literally just left the um the Bahama Breeze. You know, in the DMV in my in, in my city, um, we gave away six scholarships this year. You know wow. what I mean? So that was just like, it's, it, man, I'll be bouncing off the walls. You know, it's community work, <laughs> man. You know, it's, 
it's not glamorous, but it's definitely um, it's definitely fun and exciting, and and I feel uh, the, the the foundation expanding and growing. You know, I see it, I see it doing big things over the next five ten years. That's amazing, man. Thank you again for all that you do, man, and just keep it going, man. We appreciate it. No doubt. And uh, before we say goodbye, is there anything you'd like to add? Oh man, you know, it's just I'm 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 um. I'm on my second decade, man. It's a decade of the GOAT. Like, I'm going to show and prove. I, it's, it's, you know, I think, I'm thankful for the fans, for the fans supporting the music, supporting the culture. I can't wait for people to hear this album. You know what I'm saying? Blow me up on social media. Blow me up on Facebook. Blow me up on IG. And let me know your thoughts. And let me know how you, you know, like the record and everything. You know? Awesome, man. Looking forward to hearing it when it's out on Friday. And, man, always happy to support you. Thanks for always making great music. Thank you, brothers.